So what do you do? Hello? What are you doing? Rob, you there? I've been here. I'm just waiting for you to shut up so I could uh, announce myself. <laughs> but it didn't tell me. Um, hey, Rob. It didn't tell me. Hey, how you doing? It, it hey, didn't make any sort of announcement. So, ah, uh, there. Um, okay. Well, I am here, and I've been. Oh know. yeah, you show up as a guest and not as you. Now I know. Now I know how I. Now I know how our guests feel when they can't get a word in edgeway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> get used. Get used to it, buddy. Um, so. Dave, what are you doing for gainful employment there in uh, in the city? I am professional for a living. I'm a computer geek. I work for um, banks and, and stuff. You know, financial financial uh, firms and banks. And I'm a programmer, basically. I don't use people use fancier terminology for it, engineer this or that. I just call myself a programmer. But I, okay. I you know. I, I, I write computer software. So you look at code. You look at code all day, basically. I look at code all day. Write code all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's yeah. what I've. what I've always done for for a living. I mean, I, I do lots of other things, none of which pay me any money at all. Yeah. Really. So, yeah. yeah. Um, are, well, go ahead. Are Robert. you still doing the uh, the music show, the uh, Sunday night uh, WFMU? Are you still Radio doing show? that? Um, I'm, I've been off, I've been off, uh, I've been on hiatus. I've been doing a show at FMU for like 30 years. Oh, shit. (laughs) Um, but, but, um, but I've been off the last year and a half, two years. And and now I'm off because I, I just don't want, everyone's broadcasting from home, um, because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I just don't yet want to deal with that. Um, oh, okay. Getting my home set up in order and, 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 and having all the music digitally. I mean, I'll probably do it at some point. I've just been too lazy. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't done a show since since the pandemic started. Okay. Uh, so. Okay. I hear you. And was that, and um, since I'm already recording. This is my sneaky trick to get, you know. Okay. Um, were you, was that you? In a tweet playing Richard Held's Music Master Bass the other day that I saw. Yes, Mustang Bass. Yeah, yeah, that's Mustang, right. Mustang, yeah. Um, yeah, and and maybe the tweet was a little mysterious, but I've mentioned it before on Twitter. Um, a, f- a good friend of mine, George Simpepos, who I who's a guitarist I play with in various bands. Um, he 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 owns that. He you know years ago he went to some you know use a music store and use guitar store in New York looking for a bass just because just he wanted to have a bass and the guy said well I have this it used to belong to Richard Hell you know and he said yeah sure and it's a nice it's a nice little bass and he bought it so it's it's Richard Hell's bass and it's it's kind of it's kind of distinctive like there's no mistaking it there's there's at least one Richard Hell album where he's playing it on the cover. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. Unmistakably that yeah. bass. So, it's, you know, so we, we call it the hell bass. Yeah. So the other yeah. day we played at his house and I said, I, I don't feel like lugging my bass over. Can I, can I play the hell bass? He yeah. said, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's funny. So we've had, this is two weeks in a row, we've had writers, uh, people that are music writers that uh, play bass. Yep. Mm. Mark, yeah, we're, you, you know we're, Mark Masters. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yes, he was on. Uh, he was our previous guest. We have the episode will appear this Saturday. He's talking about the Chills submarine bells, and so he uh, huh. he um, apparently plays bass as well. Yeah, well, so, yeah, uh, well you, right. he uh, writes, technically, uh, he's a great writer, and he has really good 
taste in music. I know that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he said he said the same thing about you. Actually, I think he did. Uh, he did. He said you're a great writer, and he. I think he said you had good taste in music. Too. He did. Yeah. And you guys are both bass players, so technically you could call yourselves musicians. But <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> it's a little asterisk, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Bass yeah. has an asterisk. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. And here we are again. Here we are again another week. Yeah. Uh, we're here to talk to you about records because that's what we do. And hopefully, uh, you know, brighten your day a little from this uh, living hellscape we're all living in now. That's right. Um, don't forget, uh, if you are a regular listener, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. And become a patron of the show, which just means that you support us and you a little bit. They just take a little bit out of your, uh, uh, you know, a little bit every month. Out of your, and you out hardly, of your rations. <laughs> yeah, right. They're directly out of your wallet and you hardly feel it. And then you have the uh, smug satisfaction of knowing that you're a giver and not a taker. So. <laughs> All right. And speaking of givers and not takers, we have a guest. Uh, we do. Our guest tonight. Who is our guest? Introduce yourself, sir. Introduce myself. My name is Dave Mandel, and I am. Um, uh, do you want me to tell you what I do? I'm. A, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I host. I host, or I have hosted for many years, a radio show on WFMU uh, called World of Echo, uh, music program, and I write about. I write about various things, but I write about music mostly for the Wire magazine. Uh, fantastic uh, London-based new music magazine. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. Yes. Uh, so I guess mu- musically, well, and also a musician. Um, well, and well. I, uh, as 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 we discussed, as we discussed, yes, yeah, so sort of a musician. I play. You're bass, a, bass, play, a bass player. Yeah, yeah but see, strange, the thing yeah. is, the other day he was playing Richard Hell's bass, and so you've never played Richard Hell's bass. I've no, never played no, Richard no. Hell's bass, so we got to kind of hand it to him. Oh, yeah, of course. It's, it, it is a nice space. Not to not to gloat. I don't own it. It's a friend of mine, but it's a very nice space. Yeah, right. it's accessible like to you. That's right. Right. So, Dave. Uh, so you're obviously. I think you're probably around the same age as me and Barry. You've been around, and you. I'm sure you have around. a. I'm sure you have a wide uh, musical taste, all different kinds of things. But what is the you? I was surprised in just knowing you just a little bit of the record that you brought to the table. What did you bring for us to talk about today? It is Stand Up by Jethro Tull, released mm-hmm. in 1969, and um, it's uh, it's a it's a record. I've, I mean, I first discovered it when I was maybe 13, which is a long time ago. Yeah, and, oh, wow. And and, and 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 loved. You know, I was I was a big, big, big Jethro Tull fan. They were my favorite band pretty much when I was a teenager. Really? Um, yeah. Th- yes. Yes. Um, and we can talk about the, the <laughs> we can talk about the nuances of that, but um, but and and stand up is to me is one of their best records, and and just to just to um, um, you know work work the crowd here or whatever. Um, it's you know the thing about it. One thing about it is later on they got into various kinds of things that that are more uh you know controversial various people who were fans of the band early on you know abandoned them at, at different points right. but stand up is a is a is a very early album when i i would say uh it's like you know indisputably 
just a really, really fantastic, one of the great rock albums. And, um, you know, uh, you might, you might, you might feel iffy about when they later got into doing prog rock and mm-hmm. when they got into, you know, all kinds of other stuff that I, I, I lost them, you know, at, at a certain point a while ago. But, um, but this in a way is kind of their peak, early peak. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great record. And it was, it was, um, it was a tremendous seller at the time. You know, it's not. It wasn't like it's not an obscure record. Right, but right. It's kind of, kind of gotten buried over the years, just because Aqualung, people like Aqualung just roller yeah. steamrollers over everything. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember every one day. My older sister had Aqualung and played it constantly. And I and I and I remember other Tull albums uh, too. But this one, I was totally did not. It never came across my radar. I knew nothing about it, so I came to this completely new. Although. Fat Man, the song Fat Man, I had heard, so I knew yeah. that one, and also the instrumental one on here I've heard before. I think on a live, uh, oh, yeah. they had like a live right. thing. Well, but, that, um, makes, that makes me happy that you, that you that you didn't really know the record. Actually, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, and it's and it, like you said, it 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 is a great uh, rock album, and already you could tell uh, they were just really great musicians playing on it i mean you mm. can't deny even if you don't like the style of music which i guess you, this is more like folk blues Jeff yeah. Rotel, right yeah i guess i don't know i don't know what it is well i mean we'll, we'll talk we'll talk well, about that there's more. some there's but, some right. he, there's also some very heavy rock that is sort mm. of if you just if you sort of and it, there's an odd coincidence there that if you sort of step one step sideways from this, you end up with the first Black Sabbath record with the kind of riffing and the kind of yeah. blues, yeah. A, heavy, a, super a blues heavy blues. Rock. Yeah. Heavy blues rock, yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly, heavy blues rock. Yeah, yeah. The, the, th- the thing is, I mean, there are a few tracks on it that are, you know, like more or less identifiable heavy blues rock number and, 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 a, and a ballad and so on. But the thing, one of the things that I, one of my, you know, one of the... Special things about about the album about stand up is, um, and I, I'm probably going to say this, you know, 20 times in the course of this conversation. Bear with me. Is is like a lot of it. You just can't figure out where the heck did it come from, right? You know what I mean? Like like you listen, you know, you you can rec- records are in various traditions. There's nothing good or bad about that. Oh yeah, this is kind of a proggy thing, and this is a keep, you know, this is has synthesizers, and this has, you know, this is funk, whatever. But but a lot of this, a lot of the songs on this album, and it's their second album, so they hadn't been, you know, they hadn't been around very long. Right. Um. It just it's like, what is this? Where did this come from? What was this guy listening to? You right. Know? And that's right. one of the interesting things about it for me. Well, yeah. I, the, from a from a from one perspective, one person that he, Ian Anderson, was definitely listening to. He was listening to um, Roland Kirk, the, yeah. the the multi instrumentalist, but also a flute player. And a lot of what Ian Anderson is trying to do or does with the flute throughout his um, career, it can be directly traced back to what Roland Kirk did and the way Kirk played the flute and the way the Kirk talked through the flute and and his phrasing and so forth is there's a pretty much a straight line there because Roland Kirk played in London quite a bit in the 60s and a lot of people would go and see him because he was very entertaining um, so yeah, I think that had a tremendous two, two or three two or three horns at, at a time which oh is yeah pretty oh amazing. yeah he, yep. would, he was a, he was just absolutely uh, uh, un- unparalleled 
uh, um, machine of like putting three horns in his mouth and playing songs um, with this three saxophones at once. And you'd go, oh, it seems gimmicky, except that when he does it, it sounds just like Roland Kirk. And you go, oh, that's Roland Kirk playing, you know, he's got three saxes going and it's nuts. And But he also played flute. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, nose, nose whistle. <laughs> yeah, the, the interesting thing about Roland Kirk, I'm glad you mentioned I mean, it, it's it's less obvious on this album stand-up, but it's, it's good that you mentioned it. I mean, clearly he was, you know, he never hid, the, Ian Anderson never hid the fact that he was influenced by Roland, heavily influenced by Roland Kirk. They actually did a Roland Kirk song on their first album. But the interesting thing is, um, stand-up again, the record we're talking about is the second album. The first album, which is called This Was, right. is a great album, really good. And, it, and it's, it's not so much like blues rock, like other gr- British groups right. But but jazz rock. I mean, right. it's much jazzier than than what you you know than what these all these British bands were doing. Yeah. Um, and there was the Roland Kirk thing, very very uh, you know blatant jazz influences. But with but with stand up, you know they they just he just took a completely left turn. Obviously, yeah. as you say, you can still hear it the way he played flute, the way he you know learned to play flute and so on. But but. You know, he he said. Uh, you know, he thought. Uh, you know, he has said this in interviews. Um, he you know, he just kind of wanted to get away from blues. Uh, not not a hundred percent. Right. You know, little by little. But he was clearly starting to to really get away from it. Um, one thing he said, and I guess at the time there were there were you know a lot of sort of disputes about this political you know disputes about this um, about you know can white men can white men play right. the blues it was all the stuff about you know is it okay for us to be playing and and he i don't think he got into that but he did say i i saw i've seen in interviews with him around that time saying look you know like i'm not the right color uh, quote uh, and things like that he just he just so kind he of felt, felt unco- he started to feel uncomfortable well because clearly yeah. you know we're we're more attuned to that more you know appropriation now, but to be attuned to it back then was being rather more astute, considering how yeah. how much had been hijacked, um, you know, uh, uh, um, from American blues musicians. Um, right, and more people know. Like back then, people didn't know. You know, they see, it was just like, oh, it was great. Let's have, think about, yeah. like, yeah, this is awesome. Think about, yeah. you know, well, how many I, people. I grew up, yeah, the, first, the first blues music I heard was, you know, Cream and and, and Zeppelin. I mean, I heard oh, that right. so sure. before right. I heard American right. blues. So you could, you know, you could turn it around and say, you know, thanks, like those those guys, people like me, you know, yeah. middle class white guys from Brooklyn would never have known about a lot of this blues stuff if if these people hadn't uh, introduced. I, I, so, yeah, I agree. That's, that's okay. You if know? only yeah. only they had been willing to pay royalties on the songs they. Um, that's right. Well, you know, there's that kind of, one yeah. sticking point. Get out of everything. Nice, uh, <laughs> right. All right. So this uh, so this came out so this came out in 1969. So yeah. So Dave, was this your first Jethro Tull that you heard, or did you work backwards? Like, did you hear later ones and work backwards? Yeah. Good. Good, good question. The first Jethro Tull record I ever heard, I can remember. To, to to no one's surprise um, was Aqualong. Yeah, in fact. right. And, and and I liked it right away. I loved it. You know, and I had a little cassette player at the time. You know, d- dating myself here again. I had a, literally a, a little portable cassette player with a handle. Yeah. You know, 
We all and, did. And, I and did. I had, I had an Aqualung. I had an Aqualung uh, cassette. You know, pre, you know, store bought. You know, reprise sure. records. You know, cassette. Yeah. And 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 I and I loved it. I played it to death. And then I thought, well, I want to check out a few more of this more of this band's records. Um, I should also mention and also give props to my older sister. Um, my I have a I have two two older sisters, but one of them who is seven years older than me. She was. She was kind of a hippie, and she had great musical taste, and she used to go to the Fillmore East, which I'm sure you've heard of, oh, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So she had records by all these bands, Tull, Jefferson Airplane, Hendrix, oh, nice, you know, whatever. Nice. So so a lot of this stuff um, I, I discovered from kind of sifting through her records. But but I, again, Aqualung was the first Tull record I heard, and, and Stand Up... Uh, Stand up in benefit, which is which is the next record, 1970. Right. Those were those were the next records I that I discovered, and and yeah, they just I just loved them immediately. So to, yeah. so to further date yourself, what year did you graduate high school? This is always the um. Well, you know, I'm it, gonna or I'm, if you I'm would gonna, have graduated high school. No, no, I did. I, did. I actually graduated. All right. um, Good but, for you. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my my uh, my vanity here by saying that I graduated high school a couple of years early. So I graduated oh. high school in in 1975, but but should have graduated in 77. So okay, uh, all right. So you got you actually got a those, few years. I want on those two us. years, all right. man. All right. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. So you're gonna hit, right. you're gonna yeah. hit the big six zero, or already have. I All right, Barry. Why do you want to hurt? Why do you want to hurt our guests, Barry? Uh, well, I gotta, you know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why you have to. We got to play that bass, so we got to knock him down. To yeah, side. you're kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Barry's je- his je- jealousy is making you call out your. Yeah, agents. nah. Um, it's right, really so, more to know the the your reference points because being, you know, you're five years older than me, or four four or five mm-hmm. years older. There is a there is a difference. There is a shift there because. You um, were exposed to some early 70s things um, as a, a teenager that I pro- that Rob, maybe Rob and I would not have heard till a little bit later. So um, you might have a different perspective on some things um, for that reason. Because if you were listening to this in 1972, yeah. yeah, you know, that... Um, 1972 is very different than 1976 or 1977. Yes, yes. A hundred percent tremendous yeah. difference between 72 and 76. Yeah, I wasn't listening to it in 69. Thank you. But but, <laughs> it, it, but, it, but it would have been 72. Yeah. Right, um, right. And, and yeah, and I, you know, I may not have. I mean, I knew some pretty uh, hip, uh, you know, kids who were into some really good. I had a few friends who, who really were very precocious in, in their musical taste. But it, but my older sister was was a really big influence because yeah. she right. had this stuff. The sure. older sibling, man, that's great. That's how a lot of people discover. You know, the yeah. first music they love is from the older sibling. So that's, yeah, that's great. Right. Um, all right, so we should mention the uh, the band's original guitarist, Mick Abrahams. He or it's, it's a- Abrams, album. Abrams or Abrahams. I don't really know. Don't know Abrams. It, it's spelled Abrahams. I guess Abrahams. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You don't know about it. Maybe it is Abraham. I don't know. It's, there's, there's, there's an H in it. I think it's pronounced. There Abraham. is, but it's, he's British, so let's just roll. Yeah. Let's just roll. Let's just roll with Abraham. Anyway, he, it doesn't matter because he resigned after he's the first gone. record. Yeah, right. 
So he's he gone. To the first and that's kind of significant because now who knows, you know, did he jump? Was he pushed? I mean, who knows? Who cares? I guess at this point. However, um, it is kind of significant. He, he was a really good guitarist. I mean, yeah. I, I listened to the first Tall record. Serious, man. He he was very, very good. Yeah. Um, but he was he was like dyed in the wool. Blues, that's what I play. Blues, right, so that's right. Like, and he yeah, was happy. Like, he was happy with them just being remaining like a blues rock band. Mm. And obviously, Ian Anderson had all wanted to explore and do so much more. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, he yeah. had his sights set to all kinds of yeah. whatever crazy stuff. And and and, and Abrams went like, wait, you know, for, you got to be kidding me, you know? <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, like, right. Yeah, that crazy stuff. So, but Martin Barr also um, unbelievable guitar player, a great guitar player, and fit. I guess fit. The, the what Ian Anderson wanted the concept to be fitted much better, and uh, he's pretty much was with them from then on. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't been following them recently. To to put it politely, no, no, but, one, but, no one, no one has. Don't be, don't feel bad, Dave. No one has. <laughs> but, but what I, but I, but I do know this. I think they had finally had some kind of fall, you know, acrimonious falling out. However, he was still with Jethro Tull in whatever they, whatever they are now, till till like just a few years ago. I mean, that's oh, wow. pretty incredible. I mean, it's like. Uh, 50 years I don't know do the math I yeah, mean yeah. Yeah. Quite, a, quite a long time um, and I'm glad I'm glad um, I'm really glad that you uh, that you praised him because I think he's a, re- a really underrated guitarist he was always an underrated guitarist I mean he, he wasn't is. yeah because you, you you never hear anyone mention him or talk about him but yeah right. he was definitely yeah he was just well, a great let's just, player let's just get to innovative. the chase a lot of people think that Ian Anderson's name is Jethro Tull mm-hmm. he's so yeah identified with the band as a front man that right, right. it's it's difficult for any other band member definitely to shine because a lot of it is about his um vision and his apparently his performance and his uh expression and everybody yeah. else ends up taking a back seat for one reason or another no, to- totally agree. And another thing, and this is, I-, I wanted to mention this, so this is kind of leads into this nicely. Um, you know, the-, the other members of the band pretty much always, always were were kind of nameless. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, ex- except except to fans. So if you ask the average person, you know, who, who was you know, kind of like a moderate Jethro Tull fan in the, the late sixties or seventies, whatever, you know, they might not have been able to name anyone else in the band they they, they were not um yeah. you know whether whatever excuse me whatever the reason um i mean he just really overshadowed them and and they none of them were well, well i'll sort of modify this as we start listening to the record but you know none of them none of them were like standard kind of virtuoso types you know right so they kind of you know they kind of blended into the background um and and you know it, it's interesting and it's interesting because Martin Barr was a really good guitarist and, and especially, and this is something else I'll probably say, you know, 15 times tonight, um, their drummers, the the first few drummers in Tull and then the first drummer who we we're going to hear, Clive Bunker was his name, was just an absolute monster. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a monster. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, great. Unequivocally. And I, I, I mean, I used to be a drummer. I, I think, you know, I, 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 I fancy myself like pretty knowledgeable about the drums the guy is a monster or was just the drumming on on the first few tall albums by this guy clive bunker is astounding and and to me um is one of the in fact is one of the things that makes these records so great i mean his drumming is just is just 
unbelievable, you know? It is. Um, so, uh, so it's, yeah. All right, so let's get into this record already. Let's listen to, mm. uh, we're going to put the needle on side one, and let's listen to the first song, A New Day Yesterday. never heard this before reminded me of like what i've been listening to like the led zeppelin yarbird mm. type feel mm-hmm. yeah yeah and ian anderson still i hadn't really thought about this still like hasn't completely let go of the of the fake blue singer right. voice right. It's interesting it's, <laughs> right, the, the rest of the album the rest of the album he doesn't sing like that but he's still you know kind of doing that thing yeah right um but but the thing about that song and yeah so it's a heavy blues rock thing the thing about that song is is you know Clive Bunker, the drummer, is, is just is just you know an animal. <laughs> it's just like really like the drumming, you know, is is, is yeah. kind of the and the, the, the recording high. is very live sounding. It's very mm. raw. Um, they recorded this very quickly. Um, I think yeah. two two songs a day was how it was described, except for Bure, which they did uh, in a different studio. Um, but you know that's that's a pretty quick pace for a you know a major label album. So obviously they were rehearsed and ready to mm. ready to go. This is not a record that reeks of you know lots of overdubbing and and um, uh, at all. It's very well, straightforward. Multi instrument. Yeah, you know that's. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that that is a really important point. But pretty much this whole album. Is is guitar, bass, drums, well, and flute, of course. Right, There's right. A little, little, like a few sort of few notes on the organ, uh, on a few songs, and there's also a couple of exotic instruments which I will talk about. Sure, balalaika, but, but yeah. balalaika, and, and yeah. mandolin. Yeah, <laughs> right. But for the most part, um, it's it's really like mostly guitar, bass, drums. You know, that's um, why I said the um, like one step sideways from the first Sabbath record, which mm. had a a much more overt blues they had been a blues band and so yeah. sort of a uh, uh, and tony iomi had actually very briefly played 
in Jethro Tull. I was and, waiting. I was waiting for you to mention that. That's yeah, right. <laughs> and he, even though it was a very short tenure, he said he learned his work ethic from Ian Anderson, who would wake the band members up and they would start rehearsing in the morning, and they would, you know, they would work, 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 which caused Tony Iommi to do the same thing with. You can imagine trying to wake Ozzy up at nine in the morning, but that <laughs> oh, was, God, I know. Yeah, but yeah, he I'm said, you know, that's what I learned from that was, um, go and pick them up, wake them up at nine o'clock in the morning, drive them to the rehearsal space and start working. So, yeah, um, right. no, I, I've read that too. And Ian Anderson was known for now, again, who knows the band members may feel differently about it, but known for, for real, you know, like they, they were, they played, they rehearsed seven days a week, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, they really and and it it showed. In fact, it, it um, shows. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could tell a lot of this was played live in the studio yeah, yeah. and yeah, laid yeah. down. And it's uh, yeah, it's intricate shit going on. Yeah, well, one thing I want to mention is is it's it's odd, but if you search for you know now, fast forward to 2020, um, if you search like on YouTube, there's not that many. There's this big gaps in in yeah. the in the periods where you can see find videos of Tall, yeah. but it turns out for whatever reason there's a bunch of live videos of them right around this time 69 70. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of live footage after the Isle of Wight festival and various other things, and and you know I encourage people to to look for those because they were they were just like a killer live band. They were insanely tight and and just really really great on stage and right. uh, you know maybe the, this insane uh, rehearsal schedule might have something to yeah. do with it. I don't know. I've wondered I'm if sure. they were you know as they became bigger and bigger as a band especially we all know you know Aqualung the uh, uh, the huge uh, uh, yeah. rock and roll classic album were they perhaps even were they even bigger in the states than they were at home I don't know whether they had the same sort of following or acclaim or, or um, you know audience uh, well, uh, I think with this album, they were already big in uh, in Europe and the UK for sure. Right, definitely. right. But I mean, yeah. as it as it progressed, as their fame progressed um, through the seventies, you know, they would. I remember when they would play, and you know, they would play in uh, in Lakeland, Florida, and uh, you know, they would, you know, everybody would go to see Jethro Tull, or or it was a big deal. They were a big deal rock band, um, yeah. just like in the same category as. Yes, or or, mm. or you know, name us giant seventies rock band. Yeah, yeah. Eagles, whatever. Foreigner, Journey Sticks, yeah. Foreigner. Stadium, all, stadium, stadium. They were a stadium whatever, rock band. Yeah. What was the stadium rock band at that time? Yeah, that's right. right. But I don't know whether right. whether in if they had this if it translated or if it was more of he was actually focused on the states. I don't really know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't know the details. They were huge in the states, but I think probably. Lots of places, probably in the UK as well. Yeah. but I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know exactly. Yeah, okay. Well, this uh, next one definitely has a British bent to it because it mentions a place. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Jeffrey goes to Leicester Square.
guys can't. You guys are hearing it in mono because you're on the phone, but mm. it does. It does the the '60s aspect of this uh, album pokes through in the mix because his voice is way over in the right channel, and <laughs> the, there's the whatever the bongos or what not bongos, but the tabla or whatever is being played in the left mm. channel, and then there's some other instrument right in the middle. But mm. that that all goes away in about a year where mixes start to look like rock bands playing on stage where you right. go, oh, the singer's in the middle, the drums is right behind him, the bass is on the left, guitar's on the right, et cetera. Right. But it's right. still got, there's still sort of that, oh, it's stereo, we can sort of put everything where we go because the drums end up away over on the left in this a lot of the time and it's um it's odd to listen to in headphones um, and go, huh. you know, oh, that's to weird. That. Yeah. Headphones again. Okay, it's been a while. All right. Well, so the well, anyway, uh, that's that's one of the song that's one of the songs where I would where I where it start to say where the heck did that come from? I mean, yeah, they just hear, they yeah, just yeah. did a band that, they just did an album with this heavy like jazz blues, yeah. Um, you know, cat squirrel, this long like guitar jam, you know, and then and then this like what what is that? You know, what is that instrument? Is that maybe that's the balalaika um, yeah. that's listed in the in the credits? But it's just such a strange song, and the drummer's playing bongos. Um, and yeah. <laughs> various things are plugged through various effects. You know, it's just a well. But there's also really the, there's also the British. There's a British folk rock tradition that's happening mm-hmm. simultaneously, which he can't have been unaware of. Um, yeah. That doesn't exactly sound like this, but doesn't exactly not. Um, you know, you've got those bands that are there, but he's obviously not doing you know straight folk like you know your Fairport. Or or, pen, pen, or incredible string band or pentangle yeah. or one of those groups, he's definitely yeah, yeah. got. So this to me is the song where you go, oh, that's a. This is the Jethro Tall sound that you're going to yeah. hear appear on a lot of later records. That particular sort of vibe um, mm. uh, uh, appears for the first time, and Jeffrey goes to Leicester Square. You go, oh, mm. you know, that's that feel. That's uh, it's it's just got a. Um, whereas the heavy rock is, um, they actually changed up the way they played heavy rock. Um, they didn't because it's not as it becomes less blues based. It becomes more proggy. Um, but the the feel of this song is. Like he had a light went off in his head, and he goes, "This is what I want to. This is what I want to sound like." Yeah, 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 and yeah, no, you, that 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 sounds right to me. And but also, there's some Eastern or Middle Eastern, maybe, yeah, stuff thrown in. And like, where did that? Where the heck did that come from? You know, yeah. um, maybe I'm just maybe I'm, I'm just no, I don't. I think you're no, it, I think you you're know? right. But, I think yeah. that they, he, you know, they he's absorbing all kinds of stuff. Obviously. He's tired of playing the blues, so you're gonna have to do something. Yeah. And so, what are you gonna what are you gonna do if this is gonna be your career? And he's, he, he's uh, you said he's a driven, motivated guy. Um, yeah. So he's uh, uh, um, exploring. You know, maybe maybe yeah. even maybe even you know just trying things on. Yeah. So the uh, Jeffrey here refers to Jeffrey Hammond, who was a really good friend of his, and mm-hmm. uh, who he left behind in Blackpool. But uh, when when uh, um, 
Ian moved to London to become a rock star, but eventually he would join uh, Jethro Tull as the bass player. And and it's a, it, it's re- it's kind of funny because this bass player on the record here, uh, Glenn Cornick, is a really great bass player. Yeah, I mean, he's he plays really good. Some amazing bass. Yeah. He, and, he is a great bass player. Yes. And I guess this other guy, Jeffrey, did, Ian Anderson had to sort of show him how to play bass again because he hadn't played in so long and he didn't really know. But I yeah. guess they, they just got along with him better and he was his friend, so he wanted him to be in the band. And I guess they didn't really get along with that other guy at all. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I mean, they they I think they kind of unceremoniously uh, uh, threw Glenn Cornick out of the band. You know, you know they had their manager fire him. Some, yeah. some left know, him not, in a left him in a gas station pretty, bathroom. You know, drug, yeah. drug <laughs> away. You, 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 we, we've all, we've all heard those stories. Yeah, um, it's true. But but and and Jeffrey, yeah, Jeffrey was a good friend of Ian of Ian Anderson's. And the first three records. Um, all have songs that mention Jeffrey, which is kind of a cool, you know, you don't think that much. Yeah, I true. mean, I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't think of Ian Anderson as, as, as having a certain kind of sense of humor, but there are these little things like that yeah. where he just mentions Jeffrey, like just this guy, just this guy he knows he mentions right. in songs on the first three records. It's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, I think he liked the whole. I think he had that sort of British uh, cheekiness, you know, and oh, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, definitely yeah. that 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 comes through in just his uh, his personality, especially on stage. Um, all right, so now we get the instrumental. This definitely this is like what do you call this folk prog or um, yeah. Well, classical. I mean, it's based on a based on a Bach uh, piece, so right, I guess right. cla- it's like a classical jazz rock hybrid, right? Maybe. Yeah. I would say right. The way that I, the way that I remember this song, this song for me is indelibly linked to public television in Orlando, Florida, growing up oh, because I can picture this that. was yeah. used as some theme for some local TV program. That was on public television, and so uh, I, I, until I knew what it was, I didn't know what it was, but I had I was definitely familiar with it. All right, so who's gonna pronounce? Who's gonna introduce this? Because I have no idea how to it's pronounce Boray, it. right? Boray, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's let's listen. crazy flute that's the Kirk still, thing right there, there yeah. yeah and which yeah. is odd because I, I do remember from high school band t- 
teeth of the band teacher would absolutely excoriate any flute player who tr- who did that. It was it was completely unacceptable. And That's of course, great. you've uh, been listening to the uh, Roland Kirk. You know, I, I'm sure they didn't know Roland from Roland Kirk. Yeah. Um, right. But that's a, you know, that's something that Kirk did just a tremendous amount. And when you hear it, if you're familiar with him, you go, yeah, well, there, you know, there you go. Yeah, you yeah. should, you should, Ian should have kicked a few bucks to Kirk every time he did that. But, yeah. Yeah. True, but he, also, he also kind of made it his own, though, eventually. I mean, it was such a, because for me, the thing about Ian Anderson is uh, his singing, he's more like almost like a crooner folk thing. You, yeah. you never hear him push. He never really pushes his voice. He never screams or shouts, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. He's, but when he does the flute, that's why I feel like when he digs in more, yeah. you hear sure. the, like the yelping yeah. and all that. It's almost like more that than when he's singing. He's yeah. more reserved, much more reserved uh, when he's singing than when he's playing that goddamn flute. Yep. <laughs> right. So, so, so here's my thing about Beret is like to me, it fits into this tradition of of um, musician. Like whenever some whenever some new thing comes along, you know, disco, punk, right. W- Whatever it is, you know, right away you have bands saying, "Okay, we got to do get one. This old, let's get this musty old classical piece, and we're going to show these. We're going to yeah. show these old farts how this shit is done now." You know, right. and there's, there's a long, you know, Sid Vicious doing "My Way," you know, Fifth of Beethoven disco. Whenever there's a new right. Um, right, right. movement, you know, you got people saying, "Okay, right." I'm going to show you how we do this. This is this is this is what Bach really, you know, should sound like. So, so you know, it's it's that like it's in that tradition, you know, and you can like it or not. But interesting, but, but well, it's, it's one of those. You well, know, also Prague is is sort of is just now like the first Crimson King Crimson record is from 1969, and so mm-hmm. you had those bands, you know, and you had Soft Machine, and you had um, the Nice. The, 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 the nice, nice, exactly. Nice, Keith Emerson's band. They, they did, they did, you know, heavy, classical, heavy classical stuff. stuff. Exactly. And, and I, and I think, in fact, um, I heard in an interview that he, he, you know, he, Ian Anderson was was an admirer, was a fan of the Nice. Now, this sounds nothing like the Nice. I don't think it's a little no. more jazzy. But, no. but that's that's clearly uh, an influence because they had been doing they'd been doing yeah. classical. Stuff, yeah, you know? and early on, Crimson on their live shows, mm. they did Mars. They did like mm. you know Holst um, and stuff like that. So it was mm. in the air um, during that period, um, and Tall just happened to do a very catchy uh, mm. you know version of it, which is obviously you know sounds cl- distinctly like Jethro Tall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's take a little break. I need, I really need to refresh my drink. I've had uh, yeah. one hell of a day. I don't know about you guys, but um, yeah, let's do that. We'll get back and uh, we'll get more talking to Dave Mandel and Jethro Tull. We'll be back in a minute.
This Tomorrow is a weekly webcomic highlighting the absurdities in the American political system, specifically what happens when one television network is controlled by a megalomaniacal libertarian who has no scruples, no morals, no values, and no soul. The Zorro television channel is that in comic form, in four, six, eight, or a large prime number of panels, Woody Compton and Kelly Shane sum up the week's goings-on succinctly and with a sense of humor. Black humor, dark humor, gallows humor, all at what you will. By the time you hear this all will be said and done. Ha ha ha, I get. Visit is this tomorrow at is this tomorrow.com that's is this tomorrow.com is this tomorrow is the sole commercial sponsor of that record got me hi i'm back okay all right let's do this are we ready yeah man yeah are we rolling? Are we taping? Yeah, I don't ever turn it off. I just leave it on. Oh, now. that's right. All right, so we are back. This is That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we are talking to Brooklynite, Lifetime Brooklynite, Dave Mandel. About, well, right? I mean, I don't it's know. True, it, yeah, it's it true, yeah. Is it a secret? Oh, no, 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 no secret. Have, no you secret. Ever, have you ever actually left New York City? Are you one of those people? Um, they, they, they let me out occasionally. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I lived in London for a little bit, but, but oh, I, otherwise okay. I've lived in Brooklyn, Brooklyn my whole life. Yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with hey, that. There's, there's a lot worse places you could have lived all your life, so. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah for it sure. Is. All right, so let's, uh, we're talking about. I've lived uh, in some of those places, so. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking. We kind of do right now, actually, South Florida. No shit. All right, we're talking about stand up, Jethro Tull. We're at song number four. Let's just do a little bit of Back to the Family. We haven't really discussed uh, the lyrics much on the record, but there, there is kind of a recurring theme in this record, sort of about uh, back to you know, like this one, back to the family, like the problem yeah. of both like longing for the peaceful place where you came from, but then also realizing that it's not really where you belong anymore. You know, it's yeah. really boring and pedestrian and you've moved past that. And that's kind of a theme in a couple songs on the record here. Yeah, that's a good point. I, th- I think I think I think you're right. I think he probably was feeling that. I think that he did always um, harbor this, you know, love for, for for Blackpool, which is where they grew up. And and a few of the a few of the band members, maybe even all of them, at the beginning were were from there. 
you know, were from came down from Blackpool. Right. So yeah, yeah, he might have right. been feeling. He might have well, been he's feeling. Tw- that, he's you know? tw- I just looked up. He's twenty two years old at this point. So. Um, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's you know you're moving to the big city and you're and you're leaving all that and you're sort of becoming like a rock star, but uh, you know it's it's always tough when you're young. It's like you uh, you sort of once you get into the grind of touring and stuff, it's like the where you come from starts to look more uh, you know peaceful and enticing. But um, yeah, yeah, you know it's an age old story. It's yeah. always grass is always greener where you're not. You know. Yeah. And uh, really, some really very different musical uh, time, sig- a lot of different time signatures going on, yeah. and uh, it really moves. Uh, yeah. This is this is the first song on the record that really like moves, and you get that vibe of what Tull was yeah. sort of becoming. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Kind of, I also wanted to mention it. It's got the feel of the sort of character studies he does um, down the line. Um, where it's he's you know he's he's maybe created a character that he's talking from within um, mm-hmm. to uh, to 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 narrate the song. I don't know whether it's the I I, I do have um, this was, but I ha- I didn't this week go through it and you know see whether. But I do recall that as a much more you know it's like a, um, kind of a cream. You know, influenced mm. uh, uh, yeah. a disc as opposed to this, where he's uh, um, template for what was to come in the future. Yeah, and the thing, I mean, I, yeah, the thing about that song, I don't have that much profound to say about it. But one thing that's interesting is the, is the is the soft, loud thing. Like the verses are very quiet. Yeah, and and the drummer Clyde Bunker is is, is playing rim, playing on the rim of the mm. drum, mm. and then you know. Bum bum bum, yeah. and then it, it bursts, you know, into this is really huge thing. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Maybe maybe a little bit of uh, Zeppelin template there. I don't know, but but you know, yeah. that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. Right, that, right. You know that they really hadn't done before. Right, and done just great too. Like we said, you can't say enough how great these guys play together as a unit. Mm. I mean, you could you could yeah. hear you could hear how great they play together. And yeah. uh, and now we got a really pretty side closer, the closer of side one. Uh, very pretty song with maybe a tremolo Barry on the vocals. Is that like I a tremolo? So, yeah, effect? yeah. Listen to yeah. look look into the sun. Anyway, 
so nice. Yeah, very nice. I'm wondering, um, something I hear in here that I think may have had a, uh, uh, put its stamp on this song, um, is the band Traffic and Steve Winwood. Mm. It's got, I was first searching around like, oh, who, who could I, who could I slide into that vocal spot and say, oh, this is that. And I, if I and I imagined, especially in quarterly as well, um, you know, traffic sort of were not as um, they didn't get as much. They don't get their due in as far as how much they um, uh, influence things and how kind of amazing they were and some of their records were. Um, I, I, I guess because they didn't they didn't become a giant, um, or the, maybe they did become a giant stadium rock band. But uh, I don't know about stadium rock, but but they they were pretty big. They traffic. were pretty big, but, but, they but were... I think I think you're right. I think it's I think you're right to, to mention that. I mean, I think that's really a good insight. <laughs> um, I, I do think that he was probably listening to Ian tra- Anderson was listening to Traffic, and I do hear bits of it in there. I think I think for sure that's one of the yeah elements. Yeah, know? we had just been recently looking at some old footage on YouTube, you know, um, our, the Oracle and, um, was, you know, I was just blown away by how talented Winwood was. And you look at the year that this stuff, you know, he was doing stuff and you go, you know, this guy was, uh, uh, uh remarkable. And just like the band spirit, maybe a, just a little bit early, like on the, on the front edge of things. Yeah. Which can be a disadvantage down the road. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I love traffic, and and um, and I do think that people now maybe don't realize how how uh, how much more present they were at, at this time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, or maybe a year or two later. Maybe. Yeah. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So now we flip the record over, and now we got another. Really, this is more. Bluesy, bluesy as toe, uh, with some really great guitar, flute interplay. Uh, let's just do a little bit of "Nothing Is Easy." Nothing is easy. The time gets you worry, my friend. It's okay. Just take your life easy and stop all the hurrying. Be happy, my way. When tension starts mounting and you've lost count of the pains you missed Just try hard and see why they're not worrying me the last on my list Nothing's easy You know what? I definitely hear some Black Sabbath on that on the yeah, like, breakaway well, part. What it is stuff. is you're hearing Tony Iommi and uh, um, um, Martin Barr are 
are playing Eric Clapton in Cream. <laughs> so oh, okay. and so the or blues like this, or uh, blues right. breakers, which is but they're playing it filtered through Jimi Hendrix or a more psychedelic, you know, having heard psychedelic yeah. rock at this point. Right. But he's playing guitar in a way that kind of disappears. And I've, I may have talked about this before, but there's some guitar playing on 60s records in a way of a vibrato and a, and a tone that kind of disappears in about a year or two and doesn't get... Um, ever sort of get re uh, you know it's like bell bottom pants they never came back or leisure suits they never came back um, <laughs> it's just a particular tone that I hear in certain 60s songs and um, it just was like oh okay you, that that, that's it. passe but it sounds great you know it's a it's a fa- and I'm also going to kick in here that they picked up the the beginning of this song they've hijacked off of a Wes Montgomery record called the incredible Is that so? yeah incredible guitar of jazz guitar of west montgomery the song four on six by west montgomery starts off with a riff that is quite similar to the the little riff they're playing here now they're not aping yeah they're not playing aping four on six exactly but i'm gonna mm. say a lot of guitar players had heard that record because it was it's one it's one of those oh you know that. I, that, that. I must have. I must have heard that at some point. Yeah, I'm sure. You, really I'm sure you have. Um, it's just a. It's the way they. It's a. It's fifths and the way they play yeah. uh, this riff with alternating fifths, and uh, it just. And I'm like, oh, there's that. There's some Wes Montgomery, and no shame in that because jazz obviously was influential on Tall. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. Well. Once again, you got drummer Clyde Bunker killing yeah. it on this song. Ash. Just killing it. Monster. Just a monster. Yeah. And, but I, I want to mention, yeah, no, no question. I mean, that's one of his best, uh, you know, performances on the record. Yeah. Which is saying something. But I want to mention, you, men, uh, you mentioned Barry about uh, about the guitar tone. Um, I agree. And and the thing is, I'm going to get slightly technical just for a second. It's all right. You know, back then, there were, two, there were basically two, two major brands of guitars, Fender and Gibson. <laughs> right. And Fender guitars were generally like clean yeah you know squeaky clean and gibson gibsons were dirty and right rock you know and and to me and that's not so much the case now because there's millions of kind of brands of guitar you know it's just everything's different now but back then it was kind of like that and and to me martin barr was like was like one of the giants of the gibson les paul and he had this insane like really dark really dirty Mm -hmm. uh gibson les paul tone yeah and you know that's the thing that's right and probably a marshall or a high watt amp Mm, um, which yes. was just de rigueur. I mean, that's what you had. Your choices. You want a Marshall or you want a High Watt? That's yeah, you know, that, or, or, a yeah, fen- yeah. or a Fender. <laughs> but Fenders right. were more like, oh, you know, you're gonna play a Fender guitar through a Fender amp. Um, yeah, and it's gonna be more of a clean tone. More yeah. of a clean yeah. tone. Yeah. All right, so now we I, got. I take uh, issue with this next song. Just so we're clear, being I, I, I am, <laughs> I am a fat I knew man. I was gonna get a little triggered by this. I knew um, that was gonna come up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hard but, to defend the subject so, matter. <laughs> purportedly, yeah. so Ian Anderson, interesting also, he plays mandolin on this one, and purportedly it's one of the first times mandolin had been used by a rock band. So that's kind of interesting yeah, because, okay. you know, it's a good history of it afterwards. Mm-hmm. But let's listen to a little bit of the, no offense, Barry, you know,
know, it's, it's in there. Times, There's no different times, Barry. Different times. Yeah, Let's listen to Batman. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just good fun Would rather be a thin man I am so glad to go on being one Too much to carry around with you No chance of finding a woman You in the morning and all in night time too During the bongo solo. Don't want to be a don't want to be a fat man. People would think that I was just good fun. Would rather be a thin man. I'm so glad to go on being one. What the fuck, Ian? Right? I, 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 I'm gonna chalk it's, this. It's, I'm gonna chalk this up to a character again. He's well, you know what I was thinking, Barry? If this was sung by an old like blues, it sounds like it could be a blues song, well, like an old blues guy singing that's it. Definitely. It, there is a the way the song is constructed. It's a blues riff. It's like a blues riff, but the fact that he's doing it and it's like that, it's almost like fuck. It's kind of fucked up. <laughs> but, but you know, you know what? It's interesting. The, the blues thing yes. is interesting, and, and 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 that does make sense. But you know what I what I hear? For, again, this is another song where like where the heck did it come from? There's all this, you know. There's the bongos, mandolin. Um, yeah. There's this Fender vibratone amp, which I'll mention yeah. in a second. But 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 um, but to me, um, what I hear is you know this fat man. What I hear is like this kind of um, Renaissance, uh, medieval, you know, Shakespearean kind of like Falstaff. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of yeah, kind yeah. Of sure. Comic yeah. Renaissance well, yeah. kind of stuff. Well, that's, like, that's, that's sort of that's sort of he's sort, he's sort of driving those two locomotives into each other. Uh, that those traditions uh, with mm. this track, which also you know, mandolin appears on you know Zeppelin records probably in the within mm. the next year of this. It wasn't, mm. and there's some parallel uh, uh, um, development going on there because um, it's 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 very much a um, you know very much blues riffs played on a mandolin so um and yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's i don't really take offense at it it's a little annoying to me but you know a lot, a lot a lot of things are um i think he's he's speaking from the the point of view of a he's writing as a character and which he does frequently and you shouldn't mm-hmm. take it personally uh it's just, he's just an author who's yeah. you know creating the character to speak these lines yeah mm-hmm. That said, I don't know if there's any fat guys in Jethro Tull ever, just to be honest. They seem like um, they were all pretty skinny. 
Yeah, so. could have been a, just a there could have been a prejudice there. I don't know. It might have been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what they might have been if he hadn't had that bias, you know? There you go. Leslie, uh, Leslie West might have been a member or something. Uh, exactly. Right. I'd fit right in with the Leslie West band. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie West, Frank Black, um, uh, you know, Bob Mould, In the Day, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we get uh, so now we get another one alluding. Oh, I, uh, I, let me interrupt here and. I, I did because this song Fat Man and I wondered if he ever commented did they ever play it after this era did it ever reappear in their uh, repertoire and if not you can probably guess why because it was kind of it's a little bit uh, cringy but I was watching um, watch some live there's this um, uh, um promoter from Boston who has passed away, but he videotaped all of these shows. He has a YouTube channel. If I could remember his name, I'd be a, a fully functioning human. But he had a, a there was a Rape Man show, which is Steve Albini's band Post Big Black. And so I watched this some of this Rape Man performance. It's really amazing and great. And then I went and read the, um, the Wikipedia entry for Rape Man, because I, I think I had the record. And you know, at the time they were, he was defending it, and you know, it was a comic book character, and blah blah blah. And then finally, in about 2016, um, Albini came out and said, "Yeah, it was really offensive and really stupid, and I never should have done it." So I wonder, yeah, if, if, no, it's if, horrible, it's if, horrible. If Albini, you know, if Ian Anderson was asked about this, whether he might have you said, know, "I you know, think." Searching recently, um, I believe I saw videos of him doing it. Like in the last few years, with whoever the heck he's playing there with you now, go. No, no, no. and 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 I'm not defending him, whatever. No, but, no, but no, pro- it's probably fine. probably the re- if he if he did play it recently, um, probably the reason is just that it's it's such a yeah. know, such a unique yeah, yeah. song. Like yeah, as yeah. A, putting the lyrics aside, as a, as a piece of music. Um, it's just so odd and so um, it's you know like it's a order of magnitude less offensive than a band called Rape Man. So I know. Stop, yeah. stop even mentioning Rape Man. Stop. <laughs> um, well, maybe maybe he could license it to like Jenny Craig or Nutrisystem or something. Oh yeah. So now Subway. this next one we get again alluding to the days before they hit the big time when they were living in a lower class area of uh, London and struggling to get by. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of We Used to Know. Oh, 
Okay, so the the story with this song, no matter what it you know says in the lyrics, is that the Eagles, no matter what anyone says, <laughs> no matter how generous Ian Anderson is. They stole this for Hotel California. I'm, I'm so I'm so impressed. I didn't. I wasn't sure if you were gonna. I wasn't sure if you were gonna be aware. Oh, yeah. of that story. When I heard this song, I was like, "That's the first what thing the I was fuck gonna is mention. this song?" Did you, that did I, you really? Did you you heard it and you said, "Oh, it's and, Hotel and it, California." It oh yeah, See, because it, it, it's not the first yeah. song. I've it's not the first time I've caught the Eagles in theft, and I'll tell you the other one uh, in a second. Well, maybe, but maybe you, maybe it's because Dave, you, uh, you knew this already, and you heard it. You probably knew this song I before heard this, you know, 20, hotel times, yeah, right? Yeah, before before hotel, so it's like I guess if you, we've heard, yeah, we've there. heard Hotel California a thousand times, and then you hear this, and you go, oh, but all right, Barry, I will say they did tour together with the Eagles in uh, 1971, yes. 1972. It's been, dis- but, it's a known, right, wait, it's a known discussion. Wait, you, 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 right. you've, done, you've done your homework. Exactly. No, wait, but he hasn't, no, but Barry, Barry's kind of, Let Barry's an Eagles hater, so he hasn't done all his homework. Because <laughs> no, no, you're you doing actually, your homework, I mean, because you know that, that they toured together, and that's, that's but, what people say, oh yes, they toured together, and they, the Eagles were right. playing the song every night, but, and they ripped it off. Yes. But, Don, the, uh, the, who wrote this song was Don, Felder was the one that wrote this one, and mm. Don Felder didn't join the Eagles till 1974. Yeah, but the, so the Jethro Tull record has been out since 1969. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying because a lot of people said, well, they toured together and they probably heard them playing this and that, so it's not that. But I will also say, when, uh, as a caveat, uh, Jethro Tull, uh, he, he, he acknowledged it over the years, but then he finally said, he said, look, at the end of the day, Hotel of California is a much better song than we used to know. Wow. That <laughs> oh, wow. That. Yeah, okay. oh, yes, he did. He I, said have, that. I have read, and, and, and you kind of alluded to this, Barry. Yeah, that he, he, he seems to have been very cool about it, Ian Anderson. Like, people have mentioned it, it to him, and he said, who knows? It's not that unusual a progression for a progression for a rock song. It's right. in a different time signature. It just so happens. You know, Whatever, which which was kind of cool, but he, he just he just kind of like shrugged it I, off. Like I, eh. I do believe I do believe that had he chosen to pursue it, he could have received uh, monetary remuneration. Who showed, who showed bucks? Yeah, uh-huh. or because um, it's it's strikingly the same. The turnaround yeah. and the way mm. it's um, you know, the, the Eagles version they play it, they play the chords twice as long. But yes. another version, another song the Eagles uh, pilfered from the the um, musical um, repository is the song uh, "Life in the Fast Lane." The yeah. song "Life in the Fast Lane" began life as a song on Bob Dylan's um, basement tapes, not the album that came out. The actual bootleg tapes that circulated. Mm-hmm. Um, amongst musicians and 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 everybody for years until they finally came out officially a few years ago. There's a song on the basement tapes called "Under Control," and when you play it, you're gonna go, "Man, that sounds shockingly familiar." And you, once you make the connection, you'll go, "Oh, Joe Walsh heard the basement tapes, and he wrote it's Life in the Fast Lane." Everything about it is is the same vibe and the same chords and the same changes and everything. And you know, he Joe was maybe he didn't realize it, and maybe they didn't realize 
this. They just heard it so many times. I, I, I have written things that I discovered later on were completely stolen from someone else. <laughs> so yeah, it yeah. happens, um, but it did. I do believe in this case it did happen. There's no way I they just, didn't hear this song. I just want to say, as a side note, I would love to hear Bob Dylan cover Life in the Fast Lane. I could be singing Life, oh, yeah. Life the in reason the Fast Lane. The reason, you could, <laughs> the reason you could hear that is because functionally it is a Bob Dylan song. Okay. Well, I have to look for that. I, I did not know that. Under control. Uh, it, it's it's. It, you, you may have to listen to it in some way other than because it's. I don't know if it's on the Spotify version of the Basement Tapes. Um, I had put it up one year on YouTube, and it got like four hundred thousand views before Bob Dylan's copyright control. Right before they put out the Basement Tapes, they were like, "This huh. has been removed for." Um, wow. I was like, oh, there you go. Hmm. It sounds it's, it's 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 um it's it's right there. The things you learn on that record. Oh yeah. Well, right. One other thing I want to mention before we move on to the next song oh, yeah. about about that song we we used to know is um, we didn't hear it there because it's towards the end. Really, really great Wawa solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. One of the great one of the great Wawa pedal solos on that song. <laughs> nice. Another another, th- another thing that Good. kind of went the way of. All things the uh, um, mm. Wawa solo. Mm, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Um, all right, so now we get a really a beautiful love song and very subdued, I, I would say, for uh, Ian Anderson, Jethro Tull. Um, and I guess also this is the first song Jethro Tull ever used orchestration on in the studio. So let's listen to a little bit of Reasons for Waiting. Could it stop the sunrise Hearing you weep You're not seen You're not heard But I stand by my word Came a thousand miles Just to catch you while You're smiling So, so Dave, I feel like this is another one of those, like you said, one of those, uh, where did this come from songs, yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I know where, I can tell you where the guitar riff comes from. How things, I like to, to draw lines, but I'm like the, the psychopath with the bulletin board with all the, you know, the, 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 pin, the pins and the string. Exactly. Um, it's, uh, third stone, it's Third Stone from the Sun by Jim Hendrix Experience. That's where this riff starts. Yeah, um, the feel of it is like, what is that? And you go, oh, it's Third Stone from the Sun. That's where that comes from. It's right there. And everybody 
you know, Jimi Hendrix. There's no escaping Jimi yeah, Hendrix yeah. in 1969. You, yeah, no, you, no, no one could have claimed that they hadn't heard that. Uh, correct. And <laughs> as we had a did a Van Halen um, sort of episode a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, where once certain records appear, especially with the guitar, um, they're so influential that it's it changes the basically the DNA of rock music after that point. And, you know, the first yeah. Hendrix record does that. Um, certain other records do that as well. But it's, it's, um, and, but they, they do make it their own. Everything else about the song is really, you know, it, it's, a, it's a remarkably pretty and cool song. Yeah. Couple, couple interesting things about that song that I would like to mention. One is, I mentioned before, there's like a, a few organ chords on the album. That's the song where, yeah. they, where they're here. But, um, oh, right, right. The other thing that's really interesting, maybe, I mean, you guys seem to know a hell of a lot about, about this record, but maybe you don't know this. About that again. song <laughs> features um, Martin Barr, the guitarist, plays flute on it. There's uh, Ian Anderson oh, yeah, and Martin I Barr. Saw that, I saw that there's a couple what? of songs two, that he the plays two, flute the two of them, There are two flutes, and, and it's Ian Anderson and Martin Barr. And wow. it's really odd because... As far as I know, and I'm never pretty sure, again. like never, ever, ever again did he play flute, and Martin Barr, that is. And another thing, um, and I remember this when I was, you know, when I was like 13 or whatever at the time in, in high school, um, I saw in some music magazine a photo of Tull playing live, and the two of them were playing flutes. Wow. And that's the only time in my entire life I have ever seen a yeah. photo of Martin Barr playing because the flute. I it's wish I so, had. It's so identified with Ian Anderson. That yes, of course. You almost, at some point, he would go, you think he would go, you know, that's kind of, that's my deal. Yeah. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's cool, though. Yeah, that's I never true. knew that. Yeah. I, yeah, would yeah. Never, I would never have known that. No. You would never think, like, how could someone else in the band also play a flute? That's exactly. crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So that's awesome. Now we get to the final track. And basically, well, you, you this know, one, Ian, I play flute as well. <laughs> you can yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this last track is kind of a fuck you to his family because I feel like he's saying, "Look, you know, look, ma, I'm a rock star, and this is the song I wrote about it." Uh, and let's listen to a little bit of uh, that's how I read it anyway. I don't know. I have I have issues. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Four Thousand Mothers. <laughs>
um, yeah. Go Clive. Yeah, man. <laughs> yep. Well, the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing, it's it's really, really well played and really cool. Yeah. It is, yeah. but all, but the lyrics are kind of messed up. Uh, did you hear mother saying I'm wrong, but I know I'm right? Did you hear father calling my name into the night, saying I'll never be what I am now, telling me I'll never find what I've already found? It was they who were wrong, and for them, here's this song. So it's like, fuck you, you know. So, <laughs> but it's song. also it's also harkens back to he's listened to a lot of blues music, and there's like John Lee Hooker songs where he says, "I heard mama telling papa." The boys, the boys got a boogie, and you know. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Right, right. It's it's um, it's a it's. I wish that FM Rock had played more up. The, the problem is, of course, is Aqualung. Is that you get to that hit record, and everything else just sort of gets shoved out of the way. And, yeah, right. Well, and, that's why but, I never, I never knew or heard uh, or heard this record. Yeah, because this life. record that's has why. got some really great tracks on it, and it's it, and as it a phenomenon that Rob and I've experienced with albums is sometimes you listen to a record through for a week, and then you don't really connect with it until you're actually recording the show and listening to it with other people mm-hmm. and talking about it, and suddenly mm-hmm. sort of things kind of open up for you, but. Yeah, it's it's a it's a remarkable record. It's really great. Yeah. It is, and and you don't have to have a ponytail and wear uh, Birkenstocks to uh, love it. At this yeah, point, well, right? I've been although I've been know, wearing Birkenstocks know, for the last six months. So, you Dave, know. do you have a ponytail and are you wearing Birkenstocks? I don't have a ponytail and I'm and I'm I'm barefoot right now. No, okay. I mean it's uh, a lockdown. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't know, I don't wear socks half the time. Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's all right. No shame in that. No shame no. in that. All right. So, Dave, um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank what's, you. What's up? Is there anywhere if someone wants to check out what you're up to? Like, is there anywhere in particular people could check out if they just dying to know what's going on with Dave Mandel? Uh, sure. In their- um, well, there's, I, 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 I'm on hiatus for my radio show at, at WFMU, but I, but I, as I mentioned earlier, um, I did, I've done a show for many years and you can go to the WFMU website and you can hear archives of my show. There are, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of my radio shows on, on the FMU website and the archives. So you can hear that or look at the playlist and just kind of see, see oh, what nice. I do. Um, as far as writing, most of my, at least my music writing, most of my music writing is, is in the Wire magazine, which I recommend really great magazine it's yeah, behind it a paywall so you can't just go, you, you can't see a lot of the stuff online come on it's a really great magazine um, all right awesome those would be oh, oh, I think, well i think dave i think i probably ran across you on twitter i'm not sure how we got mm-hmm. you, know, you know ended up connecting on twitter but um, you know you're fairly active on there, and I'm always saying something obnoxious. Yeah, if you uh, want to hear uh, <laughs> political rants from uh, old old guys, yeah, they're, they're, well, I think that's what we, that. we have in common. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, um, all right. So, uh, what do we have next week, Barry? Well, next doing- week we have got really something. Um, we're doing a, an album by Divine. It's my first album by uh, the wonderful Divine and Bobby Joe, wow. returning guest, is going to come on and uh, talk so to us. So this is a real thing. I didn't know if that, this was a joke or not, but it actually is no, a record no, by Divine. D- Divine okay. No, D- Divine had a Divine had a <laughs> tremendous career post um, post Pink Flamingos, post John Waters. Where a tremendous? Uh, yeah. No, actually, there's a document. Okay. You know, I don't know if you know. 
But uh, uh, Michael, I don't Cut- know. There's a lot I don't know. Well, but you remember Michael Cudahy, our uh, a guest, came on the show to talk about Sparks from Christmas. He did the uh, soundtrack to uh, the documentary. The about documentary. The- that's right. And if you, if you that. watch that, you'll be like. Oh, I had no okay. idea. No, Divine was very, very popular and toured the toured Europe and United States, played discos, and uh, was quite right, the uh, nice. quite you know, as as always quite the character. Um, Man, that sounds that sounds that sounds like yeah. I, I wouldn't want to miss that. I got to check. No, that. it'll be it's going to be right, fun. We'll yeah, Bobby Joe's <laughs> Bobby Joe's great. So she yeah. is. She's great. And you were great, Dave. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Really a pleasure. Really, thank you so much. Thanks for coming me. on, man. It's always nice. Yeah, we have someone on, and we don't know. Maybe you couldn't talk, uh, put two two words together. Good. So we don't know. It depends so. on what day you catch. It works yeah, out good. Yeah. All right, so don't forget, people, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron of our show. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter on at That Record Got Me High, uh, That Record Got Me High on Facebook, and That Facebook Group Got Me High. You know, and just share us, love us, uh, uh, just tell all your friends about us. We really appreciate it. Share and, us. Uh, really, the important thing yes. is if you, if you, you like the show, share with your friends. Yeah. And uh, and if you don't like the show, uh, go share it with yourself, your friends. Right? <laughs> no, if you share it and say, you're going to hate this. You should yeah, listen yeah, to these, these assholes. But, these guys do not know what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So until next week, that is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. We are That Record Got Me High. We'll see you guys next week. We are out. Jungle Jezebel